You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Gino looks, going to lay it up over the top. Got a man out there. It is locking. He has got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop. Going to look. Gets hit. Goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. Alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com in a brand new podcasting studio. I think that's going to give us a little extra juice, a little extra life, John. And teaser, at some point, folks are going to be able to see us in our podcasting room. So I don't even know that I'm going to tell people Is how cool it looks. Is that a good thing? Looks. I don't know. Well, it does mean that I'm going to have to do hair and makeup to do a podcast. So yeah, there's that. Some yeah. days it's going to be good. Some days it's going to be whatever you get, folks. That's what I can promise you on that one. But it is nice to have new things. It is nice to have a new week because, John, you know this. Week one is the easiest week to overreact to in the NFL season. Yeah, it's hard because that's all you have to go off of is if you're a fan and you just saw, okay, the Seahawks did not look good in that game. And then people tend to panic and overreact and think the season is lost. And look... It wasn't, I'm not going to try to tell you they played well and you know sugarcoat it, but I'm also not going to assume that the whole season is going to go that way because they had one terrible half of football. Well, I also think about the reaction in the locker room afterwards. And a lot of people ask me, you know, how bad was it and what were the guys like? And look, the players do not overreact to week one because it's just the beginning of the season. But you look at the veterans who talked after the game and you ask their level of concern and their confidence in being able to address these issues in just a week. And every single one of them said, yeah, we can do it. The the vets in that room, by the way, they don't sugarcoat things. Quandre Diggs does not. Uh, DK Metcalf did not sugarcoat things this week. Bobby Jordan, like, those guys will tell you the truth, and they weren't panicking. So I think that that is, that's part of how I'm gauging my reaction this week. Well, yeah, because they're going off of, they've been together since, you know, some in some capacity since late April, but fully as a team since the end of July, practicing every day and you know the preseason and everything. So they have this whole body of work that they're going off of of like, okay, we've seen enough, especially the veteran guys who know the difference. They've seen enough to know that they really like a lot about this team, and they're not going to react that strongly to one bad day, essentially, when they know what they have as a team. So yeah, they wish they played better. That obviously was not good enough, but they're not going to just go in a hole and feel bad about themselves all week. And having said that, there were some numbers that looked pretty ugly. There were some good numbers that we were just talking about, man. If, if you took a look at rush yards per carry for the Rams, if you took a look at what Aaron Donald did, you like there's so many numbers that you would be like, "Oh, yeah. I don't this this like, equal, hey, equals equals a win." You stopped the run game, you didn't let Aaron Donald wreck your offense. Like those are the things, not that Aaron Donald didn't still have an impact, but you know, some of the games we've seen over the years where he just destroys you. To me, those were two of the biggest concerns going into that game. The Seahawks did an okay job, did a great job in run defense. But, man, just Stafford was on it, and they could not get third down stops. And on the flip side of that, they could not convert on third down, and that's a deadly combo because all of a sudden you have your defense playing 80 snaps, which is not good. That affects a lot of things. And third down to Pete Carroll, that's the part of the game that's got to be fixed on both sides. Third down was just a disaster for us in, in both sides of the ball, and uh, that's that's really was the story of the day, because we ran the ball all right on offense and ran the ball and stopped the run on defense well, and 
So when it came down to it, we had to get off the field, and we didn't do it. So that's um, it. Really, it just spells the whole issue of what happened in the second half. Too, we didn't make first down. They moved the ball. We didn't make first down. They they moved the ball again, and that was uh, the, the the game started to change right there. So, yeah, I mean, it it's almost seems too simple to say, oh, bad on third down. But man, that makes such a big difference. When I mean, there's other factors for second down that go into that, but when you can't get those stops on defense and plenty of those were third and somewhat long, like they weren't all third and one where you just fallen forward for the first down, they were completing passes. And when you're not getting those stops, obviously, you know, they're, they're getting more points out of it, but it also just kills your defense because they're on the field so much. And it's so hard on, and, you know, they're not going to make excuses. You asked Bobby Wagner about playing 78 snaps. He's going to say it was fine, but guys, especially the pass rushers, they're just not as effective. And then you flip it over to the offense if if you combine those two things and the offenses and getting the first downs, they only get a few chances that whole second half to do anything. And it, you know, they go three and out, boom, you're off the field for six minutes and then you come back and it's quick. So it's just, it, they perpetuate each other and it just becomes a problem. Well, and the numbers have been talked about ad nauseum, but let's just add some context and perspective to this. The Rams scored on all five of their second half drives. They outgained Seattle 257 yards to just 12 in the second half. I think that's probably the most startling number. I know yeah. Pete's looking at the third down numbers. I think those 12 yards yeah. is pointing. And the one first down. Yeah, exactly to what you're saying. And, um, you know, Bobby comes in with 19 tackles, which is amazing. Jordan Brooks with 12. But you'd like to not see them on the field that much. I mean, that that's what it comes down to. And being on the field, trickle-down effect everywhere, including on the pass rush. We're disappointed that we didn't get more activity from the guys on the edge. You know, we we, we got to get get where we cause problems, and we have to create the problems with our with our calls as well. I and mean, we did a lot of different things in 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 the rush, uh, different types of uh, pressures. But we need to do more probably to, to get it going. Particularly here, here's a really good quarterback coming up, uh, very similar in style, very similar in, in system. You got to make Jared Goff move also. You know, so they're very you know, very similar, and so we have to do a good job finding our ways. But um, most. Mostly, it's just it, we'd love to see some more edge work, you know, where the guys get on the, on the corners of guys and, and get in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, 38 pass attempts for the Rams, two quarterback hits, no sacks. Like, that's – yeah. you can't really operate that way, and they know it, so. You also can't say that the Seahawks don't have a pass rush either. No. Again, I mean, because they, we're looking at this in context, yeah. right? I mean, you look at – they had pretty good sack numbers last year, and I think they got better there with, you know – adding to it in the draft, the guys they signed a free agency. Like, I, I'm not big picture worried that this team can't get after the quarterback, but to Pete Carroll's point, like, you got to win some of those battles and the coaches need to figure out ways to help them get home too. But it's, you know, I think it'll get better this week, but yeah, that's, you can't really operate like that. Well, and I think that it's easy to say Jared Goff is the quarterback and boy, you know, like, is he actually a good quarterback? Because there's some history there, right? And you look at the numbers. First of all, Detroit is a dangerous team. They won eight of their last 10 games in 2022. They did beat Kansas City in the opening game. Jared Goff, his touchdown to interception ratio in the final seven games of last year, 14 to zero. He does not make mistakes. Like there's a bit of a narrative that he has absolutely changed in Detroit. Seattle needs to force him not only to move, but to make the mistake. Yeah, I mean, he's got the, what, third longest streak in NFL history without throwing an interception. So he's been very good, very smart with the ball. You know, I think some Seahawks fans remember early in his career in L.A., he did make some silly decisions, but he has improved a lot in this offense. They have their suits him so well. He's got a really good offensive line. Like, 
there's a lot to like about that offense. And, yeah, you need to, whether it's through the pass rush or some things you do in coverage, they really want to get him to make some mistakes. A fun note, though, about that t- that interception-less streak. Second on that list, Tom Brady was just about close to breaking Aaron Rodgers' record. And you know what team ended it? Seahawks last season in Tampa Bay. You know the player who ended it? Cody Barton. Yeah, would not have guessed Cody nope. Barton to end a historic Tom Brady streak, but nope. there, there we are. There you go. Uh, I do believe Tariq Woolen, Reek, excuse me, Reek Woolen had an interception against golf last year. Yes, a very big one. Yes. Pick six in a game where every point mattered. That was a that was a big moment for Reek. Yeah, it's funny. You say this is a fun offense to watch. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree. I mean, like it's fine. I do not want to watch their offense. I do not want to think the Lions offense fun. is good on I'm Sunday. I'm saying they do a lot of things well. And if you're a Lions fan, it's probably pretty fun. <laughs> okay, fine. Even Pete Carroll recognizes that it is, I don't know about fun, but let's say a dangerous offense they face this week. Well, the quarterback's really good. Jared's really good. You know, he's really, I mean, obviously as efficient as you can be right now with the streak he's got rolling, and, and uh, he's got all the throws. They have it's, it's a good, intricate system. They do a lot of different things, and, and they're good at it. Timing is really good. It works well with the offensive line. does get the ball out of his hands. You know, he's not a runner, not going to run around much, but um, so they rely on, on a real quick rhythm to get the thing, uh, you know, going. Um, he's got really nice receivers. So uh, St. Brown's a really good player, and, and they feature the heck out of him as they found him, you know, a little bit ago and realized he's a great player, and he really is. He's a great producer. Yeah, I mean, he Pete just touched on, but it's it's that combination of scheme, weapons. You know, that clip didn't get into as much, but they've got a really good offensive line. It's yes. just they've got, you know, you're not it's putting, healthy. Yes. They've got a healthy offensive got, line this year. You've got some good runners. It's it's a really it's what Pete Carroll talks about a lot, like balance, where you don't want you're trying to make life easier on the quarterback. You don't yep. want it to be the Jared Goff show where he has to do everything. Where if you build an offense around him where he's got good weapons, he's got good scheme, he's got a good line, that makes that position so much easier. And they've Detroit's done a good job of that there. Well, and again, this is only week one, but the Lions in week one put up 368 yards of total offense. They ran for 118 yards. David Montgomery looks like a different back yeah. than what we saw in Chicago. Maybe that's just me, but... I thought he was running just a little bit harder against Kansas City. Their passing offense racked up 250 yards. Pete Carroll mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown. He's got an NFL record going six straight games with eight or more receptions and a touchdown. He's a dangerous player. We say all of this, and what we have not talked about is the Seahawks' Offense, which is absolutely going to be without one of their starters on the offensive line. And it's never a good time to lose a right tackle. But Detroit blitzes more than just about any team in the league. You're putting a lot of pressure on some guys this week. Yeah. I mean, Abe Lucas went on IR, so he is obviously out for sure. Charles Cross, Pete Carroll said, you know, it's going to be going to be a challenge, which in Pete Carroll speak means it's probably not going to happen. So you're looking at, you know, they have added guys at that position, but if we're being realistic in terms of getting ready, it's probably going to be the same two guys we saw in the second half last week, Stone Forsyth and Jake Curran. Now, granted, it did not go well for the offense when that change happened. I'm not saying it's just those two, but it's a lot harder to switch tackles in the middle of third quarter than to do it when you've had all week together. So I do think it'll look a lot more functional this week when they've been practicing with the starters all week. But yeah, it's it's a tough ask. You know, you make it, mentioned Aiden Hutchinson in there, too, the runner-up for Rookie of the Year. Nine and a half sacks last year and was really disruptive last week. So it's And then 
going to be loud. I mean, there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors. Here's what I will point out. Jake Curhan started five games at right tackle uh, a couple of years ago. Stone has not started at left tackle. He was drafted as a left tackle. He did make a start at right tackle uh, for one game last year. The other part of this is these guys have been in the system. It's going to be the first time that they get extended time this season at those positions, but it's not like they don't know the offense. It's yeah. not like they don't know the quarterback. That goes for something because I know there's been a question about Jason Peters, who was signed this week. Yeah. He's going to bring in some veteran experience. I can't wait to talk to him. But for right now, when Pete Carroll was asked if he can make an impact this week, here's what Coach said. No, we just had a walkthrough. You know, let's see. We got to see how how he is, and it it should. You know, you would think you give him a couple weeks to get ready to go. You know, I don't know if we can afford to do that. We'll see what happens here as we get one day at a time here and, and uh, work with him. He's a really interesting guy, and we're lucky to have a guy like this come to us at a time like this. A few of the beat guys did talk to Jason Peters briefly, and he kind of agreed with Pete Carroll. Like, ideally, you take a couple weeks to get ready, but he also said, you know, if, if they need me Sunday, I'll be ready. So I, I'd be pretty shocked if they bring him up from the practice squad and try to start him with three days of practice, but maybe you need him available as a backup just in case. But long-term, and we'll, we'll see what long-term means, but, I mean, even in the shortish long-term while Abe's on IR, just having that veteran guy who's seen so much football, I mean, he's in his 20th season, nine-time Pro Bowler, he's going to help guys. I mean, uh, the most obvious one that people point out is Adrian Peterson when he was here and what he did for Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny, the next couple of years, talks so much about that impact of being around a veteran who really is just a professional and knows how to play the game. So I think that could, could help a lot. You know who else Adrian Peterson helped? Jordan Brooks. Jordan Brooks went back and looked how AP came back from oh, yeah, his yeah. knee the injury. And so that was that was a guy that he used as a sounding board and kind of as a, a model for coming back from injury. Yeah. And I do think that that's important to have that veteran presence to be able to calm things down. I mean, I said it earlier in how I watched the veterans respond, but Pete also said it this week in talking about the young guys and and what the young guys do after a loss like week one. They're looking at the older guys, I think, you know, and, and so uh, we start with, with me and, and then work my way through the staff, you know, that we've got to be uh, the attitude first and, and make sure that we, we demand it of everybody and we get everybody on board. We've got a way that we practice on this day in particular that uh, is designed to jump back regardless of what happened on the, the weekend before, and so we'll see what happens. I'm challenging them today. Yeah, I mean, that's, to me, that's one of the things that over the course of the, what is it now, 13 years that Pete and John have been here, 14th season, Pete does a really good job of kind of flushing the game behind them and getting guys to just focus on what's next. And that, that includes when you come off a big win. Like I almost look at the situation the Lions are in similar of like they're coming off such an emotional, big, you know, you go to Kansas City, you beat the defending champs on the day they're raising a banner like that's a big deal. And there's almost a, a recovery from that. It's totally different. But you got to make sure if you're the Lions, you got to make sure like, guys aren't riding too high on that. And the flip side of that, when you're Pete Carroll this week, you got to make sure your team can say, all right, that was a bad game. Time to move on to the next one. So it's kind of it's a challenge for both teams. And I think Pete Carroll's handled that pretty well over the years. Yeah, I was actually going to say that, too. Right. Like Detroit has just as much they've got to be careful about with not having a letdown. 
If both teams get going, I'd be really curious to see if it looks anything like the game last year in Detroit when these teams combined for over a thousand yards of offense. Yeah, that's fun. It was fun. I mean, it's fun because we won. It was a shootout in the end. It was a little bit of a nail biter. Um, 555 total yards of offense for Seattle last year against Detroit. If that offense can get going, and I'm not even asking for 550 yards, but you'd like to get that offense going. Take like 540. I would. You could live with that. Right. I mean, my bar is still pretty high here. But key playmakers that Scott Engel, our fantasy insider, sees. Well, here's a couple of names to watch this week. Thanks, Jen and John. And as we get you ready for fantasy football in week two, keep your watch on two Seahawk rookies who are going to be very fantasy relevant this season. I'm expecting the first good performance fantasy-wise from Jackson Smith and Jigba this week. Look for him to be very useful in point-per-reception leagues as he helps Geno Smith move the chains against the Detroit Lions. Also, expect Zach Charbonnet to get involved in the running game this week along with Kenneth Walker. Charbonnet, over the course of the season, progressively is going to be more useful in fantasy football. From other NFL teams, those who start James Cook against the Raiders this week will be very satisfied. The Bills are going to roll up a lot of points in their home opener against the Las Vegas Raiders. Also start Rashad White of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Last week he played on 79% of the snaps against the Vikings and the Bears allowed 163 scrimmage yards to Green Bay's top two running backs last week. Jamal Williams rushed for 17 touchdowns last year and this week he should get his first touchdown as a member of the Saints against the Carolina Panthers. At wide receiver, keep your faith in T. T. Higgins, who had a quiet week one, but he still got eight targets. He's a proven fantasy starter. Also, a name that fantasy players know well, DeAndre Hopkins. Now with the Tennessee Titans, the five-time All-Pro was targeted 13 times by Ryan Tannehill last week and should have a good game in week two. In that same game, Mike Williams, looking for some upside from him against the Tennessee Titans, Use him as a fantasy wide receiver three. At tight end, Hunter Henry is back on the fantasy radar with the New England offense looking better under Bill O'Brien, who's the offensive coordinator again. Five receptions last week, 56 yards and a touchdown. Like him this week against Miami. And Jawan Johnson, we go back to the Saints again. He caught seven touchdown passes last year, and this year he's playing with Derek Carr, looking to get involved more in week two and defensively go to the Green Bay Packers against the Atlanta Falcons four sacks and two forced turnovers in week one against the Bears make sure to check me out on Seahawks.com on the Fantasy Insider page and also at thegameday.com with my weekly sleepers and also my lineup rankings at rotoballer.com back to you Jen and John thank you Scott What do you think that means, John, when you're looking for playmakers this week and you know, we heard DK Metcalf talk about the secondary and you know that they're aggressive. You know that they're going to come after you. What playmakers do you have circled? I mean, I, there's so many guys that I think you're going to need to rely on this week because I, first of all, I'd say Kenneth Walker and that's not just him. That's the guys blocking for him, but we've talked about the tackle situation. We've talked about the crowd noise. 
if you can run the ball successfully, that's going to make a lot of it easier. And then, you know, Geno Smith is going to be the guy running the whole show, and a lot's going to be on his shoulders this week with, again, the hostile environment, everything silent count, getting the balls to the right guy. But, yeah, I mean, going back to that fantasy conversation, it's just getting more plays. It's getting those first downs so that you get – I mean, I had a bunch of people ask me this week, you know, what happened to Zach Charbonnet? Why didn't they get him the ball more? It's like they just didn't have enough plays. Like, he he was built – they had packages for him. We saw him come in in certain situations. But when you run, you know, 40-some plays, it's just hard to get enough playmakers involved. So get some of those first downs, stay on the field, and then we'll see a lot more guys get involved. All right. Well, that seems to lead right into the two things you need to see for the Seahawks to come away with a win. What do you got? You know, when I look at what's going on at tackle, I want to see the pass protection hold up decently I, I don't expect it to be perfect but let's you know call it like two and a half sacks for an over under I think if you can keep it around two that's fair if they start getting four or five sacks you're going to be in some trouble defensively I mean let's just be go with the real obvious and say third down yeah figure out ways to get off the field whether yeah. that's because you're getting the pass rush going on third down and getting to the quarterback or whether that's because you're denying them on first and second down and making it third and ten every time I don't care how you do it, but get it under 50% on third down. I'm going to add to that. I'd like to see a takeaway. We saw one last yeah. week, a, a turnover. I'd like to see a takeaway. And that streak. What's in that streak yeah. from Jared Goff? You want to predict who it's going to be? I am not going oh, to. Oh, come on, Jen. I would still say Reek. Uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Going, I'm going Julian Love, first oh. pick as a Seahawk. Okay. Yeah. Well, when I interview him after the game, I will make sure he knows that you chose him. And All right. That'll be that'll be good. I'm also going to say uh, 73 total plays on offense. That's Ooh, what that's I would a big like. Number. I, I know. Like it. How'd you I come know. up with 73? Because I thought 80 was too high. Okay. And I thought 60 was too low. I easily I... could have gone. Because you know what? Actually, I was thinking about it. And honest to goodness, I am not great with remembering numbers from last year. But I do remember some of the best performances. You were up over 70 plays yeah. last year. That's what I was actually thinking about. I'm also looking at time of possession last week of just being 20 minutes and that defense being on the field for 40. You could easily say, I'd like that to be more even. But I'm going to... Do 73. I like it. Total place. That's what I got. We'll see how we do that. We'll see how we do with those predictions next week and be with you next time.